0: up your mind in advance, not to come up with your own defense, just trust me, because I'm going to give you the words and the wisdom that cannot be contradicted by the ways of this world. So I spent some time preparing as we preach a folk do. Reading a lot of stuff. People write a lot of stuff about this stuff. I was reading a lot about this particular scripture from the gospel this piece of uplifting light-hearted gospel. And there were a great number of scholars, Ph.D.D.D.D.s, who had very much to say about this particular piece of the Bible. It seemed to be very important and worth a whole lot of trees to explain that This particular tale is critical for our understanding of Jesus. You see, this scripture lets us know that Jesus predicted the fall of the temple before it happened. Right, I know, it's impressive. You see, it seems very important. The scholars wanted us to understand. You see, the fact that Jesus had predicted the fall of the temple meant that Jesus proved he was who he said he was. They went to great lengths to describe the fall of that temple. Some of the authors and scholars, they wrote about the Exquisite architecture. They talked about how many months and months it took to put gold leaf on things and all the jewels and the beautiful sculptures. It was a whole lot of writing about the importance of the temple and its falling, and Jesus knew it would. You can count on the truth of Jesus if you read this and you know the temple actually did fall. So here's the thing. I went and sat down on a couch with communion and a woman who just received a terminal cancer diagnosis this week. And I was trying to imagine How it was going to help her for me to share the gospel I was preaching on this week? Was I supposed to take her hand and say, guess what? Jesus predicted the temple would fall, and it did. Feel better? (laughs) Right. And then I was talking to a young man of trans experience, about his dilemma you see he's embroiled in a court matter and being legally blackmailed by virtue of his gender identity and expression you see somebody has brought false charges against him and asked for a sum of money the lawyers admitted we can tell you didn't do this thing however We just need you to understand, if this case goes forward, there will be a jury trial, and then what will probably happen is they will call witnesses who will talk about how you used to be a girl, and there will be experts who will talk about your disordered mind and about your troubled past. And all the ways your instability is clearly evidenced by your lifestyle. I know it's not fair, but that's the way it is. And so the best legal representation that we can give you right now is to tell you, unless you are prepared to have a jury disregard the evidence and charge you according to their bias and prejudice, you might as well just settle. Pay some money now. Save yourself. What could happen? Because they don't get you. And so I was thinking, what do I say to this young man? Do I say, take heart. Be uplifted. Be encouraged. Jesus predicted the fall of the temple, and it happened. Right. And in the same week, just to make sure I got the picture, I got a text from a young man who's been part of our congregation. He is elsewhere at this time. He sent me a very long text saying, Reverend Kristen, I just wanted to reach out to you. I'm in a rehab center states away. I have been sober for two weeks, and I feel like my skin is burning off my body. I don't know if I can make it. You say that this is better for me and you have hope for me, but I have to be honest. I don't know that I can do this thing. I feel like I'm on fire. What can you tell me to give me strength? Do I text back? Check out Luke. (laughs) Did you know Jesus has got your back he even predicted the fall of the temple and it happened so here's the thing lots of scholars think it's really important that we understand that Jesus knew the temple would fall and I'm gonna just take my little self out here and say I don't care I don't care What I want to know is, how do you sit down with you, Mama Rose? How do I sit down next to Joe? How do I talk to my sister Blanca? How do I reach out to somebody here for the first time who's looking for hope? How do I speak to all of you who are even right now the people I just said? Who among you is not right now aware of your own impending death? None of us is exempt. You may not have just gotten a diagnosis, but don't tell me you don't think about it. Every single one of us is dying, and we wonder what does that mean for our lives. Every one of us, I want to be able to sit down with you and talk with you about what's real and bear hope. I don't care about the temple falling. I care about the fact that we're going to die. How do we live? And every single one of us, No, you may not be on trial today, but you know, I know you know, that you have to calculate more often than you like the cost of being true about who you are, about saying the truth about your life, your struggles, your realities, who you are inside. You calculate the cost, and you pay a price on a regular basis to keep yourself protected, amen? I wanna know how to sit down with you and tell you, go ahead, be who you are. No, really, yes, even though you failed at that marriage, even though you stole from your grandmother, even though you've slept with more people than you even know their names, even though you've been told you are an abomination, even though you don't feel The presence of God, even though, yes, who you are is worthy and real and worth any price and in the end, you will be redeemed. I am not talking about somebody laying down their bloody life for you. I'm talking about you will be claimed and lifted up. Your life will be restored. Anything you've ever lost will be strengthened and encouraged and shown to be of great value. You will have something to give to another human being because of exactly who you are, not in spite of it and your life will be redeemed. I want to sit down with any one of you and look you in the eye and tell you I know this to be the truth. And today you may be feeling like your skin is burning off your body. For any number of reasons, you may feel utterly naked For any possible reason, you may right now be thinking, I cannot bear to be awake and alive in my own life. Maybe it's because you are getting sober, and you haven't been awake in your own life for a decade or more. Maybe it's because you just told someone I love you, and they were silent. Maybe it's because your grandchild's mortally ill, Maybe it's because you have any number of human experiences that you're going through which at this moment look around you. You do not see in the lives of each of these faces, but let us acknowledge, saints, there is heartbreak and unraveling all around us. And I want to be able to come and share real good news. Nothing about any ridiculous temple. I want to talk about you as a temple of God. I want to talk about you as the abiding place where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell. I want to talk about how your life is the light of Christ. Let me say it again. I want to talk about how your life is the light of Christ. I'm going to say it again. Your life is the light of Christ. I am not playing here. I'm not coming to preach a text according to what the scholars say. I'm coming because I want more desperately than any other thing to honor the fact that I love you. And more importantly, the reason I love you is because I know without question that you have been formed by the hand of God and that you are worthy of every good thing And I happen to know that we break our lives, kill ourselves, surrender everything of value on the rocks of our refusal to believe that. And I refuse to let you go. Here's the good news. That's what the scripture is really about. That is what Jesus is really saying. You see, Jesus is having this conversation with the disciples during that period of time that during the church year we commemorate what we call Holy Week Palm Sunday. This is just after Jesus has come into Jerusalem heading right for death. He's not playing either. He just has been talking to his disciples, looking around, and he said, Look, I don't have that much time with you. Here's what you need to know. Beware of the people in long, flowing robes who pray beautiful prayers in public. Be careful of them for they turn around and they devour the widow's houses. Be careful. Be careful. He says, even now, look at this widow. Right over here, see how she puts her two pennies in the basket? She just now gave more than any of them. Because she gave what she had. Not what she thought would please you. He didn't say that part, I just added that in. <laughs> I just want to be honest. <laughs> so he just finishes telling those disciples: look, here's what matters. Not me, not what I'm gonna tell you, not this beautiful place, and that you came here every Sunday and explained the two absences in the last quarter. That's not the deal. Jesus says, pay attention. Give who you are. It is the richest gift you have. And everyone can give it. Everyone can give it. And so the disciples, being so like you and I, said, uh huh, uh huh, look at those beautiful stones. Aren't those gorgeous? Oh, that is just lovely, that gold overlay over there. How much do you think that sculpture of those grapes encrusted with jewels cost? My, 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 somebody donated big to the church this year. So Jesus said, look. Look. It's all falling down. If you want to walk with me, let me just cut to the chase. That beautiful wall that you have erected, that looks like you fit into your size 12, and you reached your goal by 35 of owning a BMW you and that beautiful wall you've erected of you did better than both of your parents and you are a regular giver to the church you who are so protected by your education and your plastic surgery, you who have not yet been discovered as someone who secretly makes yourself throw up because you look great on the outside. I'm telling you, every single wall that you erect to hide who you are is going to come tumbling down. (laughs) And let me tell you further why. Not, not, to terrorize or humiliate or shame you, but to save your soul. You see, every single one of those beautiful stones that you pile up so that you can be protected from everybody else stand in the way of you coming to really understand. I don't need it. God is telling us every breath we take I made your life I made your life I don't need you to do anything except receive it You think that Jesus came so that we could walk around filled with shame and unworthiness That's that's what he did He came and said, let me give my life so that you can continually deny yours. Every single stone will fall down because we are one and another, everyone equal, everyone vulnerable, everyone real. You may die in the eyes of the world, but this truth, if you can be with it, will save your soul. And I'm not just talking about a party after you die. I'm talking about your soul, people. Your soul isn't something that happens to you later. Your soul is sitting right within you right now filled with the light and truth of God. God's hand formed each one of you individually. That soul is the precious and most beautiful truth of who you are right now. And so often, our souls are starved because we're not getting any food past those beautiful walls. And we're trying to pretend that our soul doesn't look the way it does and love who it loves and dresses the way it really dresses. We try and pretend that our souls don't matter and we die every day. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't follow people who tell you, here's the answer out here. I'm the one who's going to tell you the answer over here. Don't follow the outside That's not where your answer lies. You already have it. I've already claimed you. Your light is already shining. Will you let it out? During this month, we've had opportunity to reflect on a number of things. As many of you know, I am extremely passionate about Transgender Awareness Month. Some people have had different theories about why this is, knowing that I have fallen in love with people of transgender experience, both as friends and lovers. They think that's why I will tell you it is and it isn't. My commitment to this month preceded the blessing of greater love in my life. I want to speak to it for a moment. The red light is on. It will just be a moment. There was a time in 1998 when I lived in New York City, and I went down to the village to a very small theater, and they were showing what was then a brand new independent documentary called The Brandon Tina Story. And I went by myself, because no one was able or interested in going, and I went and I sat in that theater in the dark, and I sobbed for an hour and a half. I'm not talking quiet, I'm talking (gasps) racking sobs, tears sopping my chest, snot running down my face. I wanted to get up and leave. I am not talking a comfortable experience. I wanted to leave and I did not stay through any virtue, but simply I was immobilized by my terror and my heartbreak. This was a true story, and I could not run away from it. As the film came to a close, after accounting for this young trans man's journey of being raped multiple times and then murdered along with his girlfriend and friend, and the complete unwillingness of the authorities to take any of it seriously, I did not want the lights to come up. Because I did not want to be seen undone. And then I remembered as the lights did come up where I was. I was in the village. And these were my people. And I realized my sobbing was amidst many other people sobbing. And we sat and we cried in a lighted theater for minutes and minutes and minutes together. Not because we were transgendered, although some of us were, not because we loved someone who was of trans experience, although some of us did, but because in that theater, in that night, we recognized that each and every one of us is entirely beautiful, made gloriously in the light of God, that we were wholly worthy, and that this broken world kills us rather than say, yes, it is so. And so we cried because we knew we were brothers and sisters and that could never, ever be taken away. Not through life, not through death, not through any experience. The reality is this young man is your brother and is mine. And in this celebration of the saints, he is here with us. And our lives, truth or dare time, our lives are lived. In a way that either affirms our own worthiness and therefore the worthiness of every one of us or they don't and so it is saints that we have a heritage that we not only receive but we have the blessing to offer (laughs) troy perry in 1970 the founder of our denomination went on a hunger strike so that the transgender woman that he was jailed with would find justice in the eyes of the authorities. 1970. Phyllis Fry wrote a letter in 1977 to a young trans man, the honorable, the judge, the first transgender judge in the United States here in Houston. She wrote a letter that began, as a member of Resurrection MCC, I want to write and bring you hope. And she talked about how her journey was very different from his, but the bottom line was this. She said, the theme of this letter remains that we are both God's children. This is our heritage, saints. What is the heritage that we will choose to live? Claim our worthiness and make way for others? That's the truth and the dare. Let us go forward. God is with us. Would you join me?